Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. If you like this podcast, can we recommend another one? It's called Big Picture Science. You can hear it wherever you get your podcasts, and its name tells part of the story. The big picture questions and the most interesting research in science. Seth and I are the hosts. Seth is a scientist. I am Molly, and I'm a science journalist. And we talk to people smarter than us, and we have fun along the way. The show is called Big Picture Science, and as Seth said, you can hear it wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. This has been certainly a a strange time in our lives, and uh, we've joked a couple of times about, well, what's next, a plague of locusts? (laughs) Well, we were wrong. It's a plague of murder hornets. Yeah, no big deal. According to CNN, for the first time, Asian giant hornets have been spotted in the U.S., uh, specifically Washington State. Beekeepers are, are finding giant piles of dead bees with their heads ripped off. These things are aggressive. See, we need to support our bee community, not decapitate them. The hornets are about two inches long. They're the world's largest hornets. And the sting, the venom is so strong that it can kill humans if stung multiple times. <sighs> They're calling them the murder hornets. So we've got that to look forward to. That's good. Yeah. It's nice. When I was a kid growing up, I remember hearing reports, oh, the killer bees are coming. The killer bees from uh, Central America, they're making their way. There were reports in the news. Oh, they're in Mexico now. Right. The bee caravan. And then I lived in Tucson, Arizona. (laughs) The bees showed up in Tucson. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, when I was a kid, they were saying, yeah, they're in Panama now. Right. And at that moment, they were at like Speedway and Wilmot in Tucson. And it was, they were really aggressive. They stung a dog so many times that uh, it killed the dog. Oh, no. The owner grabbed the dog, put the dog in his trunk, and tried to drive away. And the bees followed him for miles oh and miles gosh. and miles. And they pulled something like 3,000 stingers out of, the, out of the dog. And these murder wasps are supposed to be worse. Oh, Okay. So any who's will prepare for the murder hornets, they are, they're on their way. How do they get here? How do they get here? Oh, you know, they fly. Over the ocean? Yeah, sure. I don't know. Uh, They, boats. Little bee, little hornet cruises? Take (laughs) boats. Yep. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. All right, well, the dogs are settled in now, so um, I'm going to start my story. Yeah, I hope it's more uplifting than murder hornets. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I I think so. I think so. 
Amber Gris has been mostly known for its use in creating perfume and fragrance like musk. Okay. It was historically used in food and drink. Uh, a serving of eggs with ambergris was reportedly King Charles II of England's favorite dish. It's been used as an ingredient in fancy cocktails and upscale lounges. Oh. It's been used as a flavoring agent in Turkish coffee and in hot chocolate in the 18th century Europe. So brown ambergris. It's actually white. Okay. The substance is considered an aphrodisiac in some cultures. Well, it isn't just about anything. Sure. I guess you can call anything an aphrodisiac. Oh, Honey Nut Cheerios is an aphrodisiac. <laughs> but gris, doesn't that mean grease? It's one word, amber gris. Oh, okay. What is amber gris? Yes, indeed. What is amber gris? Centuries ago, people thought it was hardened sea foam. Some people thought it was poop from a large bird. It comes from the water? It's found in the ocean. Okay. It wasn't until the 1800s that we found out for sure, right about the time that whaling ships started hunting sperm whales. Is it some sort of semen? No, but semen did find it. They were looking for sperm whales. You know? they, yeah. Sperm whales, right? It's hard to... Hard. <laughs> it's hard to ignore a story or a sentence with the word semen and sperm in it. <laughs> Sorry. I get it. I do. God, we're such eight-year-olds. Sailors, or semen if you prefer, discovered that ambergris is produced by sperm whales. No, it's not what you think. It's made out of the beaks and other hard parts of squid and cuttlefish that the whales eat. Sperm whales can't digest these hard parts, so normally they vomit them up instead. However, some manage to get uh, caught in their intestines and they get covered in ambergris. So it's like the uh, body's like self-defense mechanism to these these hard bits in their body? Yes, in part. The ambergris mass can remain inside the whale for several years until the animal eventually poops it out. Okay. Um, there's speculation that ambergris could also be produced by uh, the pygmy and dwarf sperm whales because they have a similar diet, but that's not proven. In essence, ambergris is whale poop. And very expensive whale poop. In 2016, three fishermen on the southeastern coast of the Arabian Peninsula found a 80-kilogram um, piece of ambergris. Uh, it's about 176 pounds. Whoa. It was valued at $3 million. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit, indeed. <laughs> the same year, a UK couple found a 1.57-kilogram or 3.46-pound uh, lump. That sold for $70,000. Wow. What are we doing with our lives that we are not combing the beaches for whale shit? I'm getting most of my information from uh, Listverse, as well as CNN and Wikipedia. Fuck panning for gold. Let's pan for whale shit. <laughs> so that got me thinking, what is the most expensive poop in the market? Um, sure. Although I can't definitively answer that question, mm. I can in fact tell you about the most expensive poop that I was able to find. Sure. I, if I had to guess, I'd say Chrissy Teigen. Celebrity poop. Right? That's a great idea. Here's the thing, is that you farm vegetables with celebrity fertilizer. Oh. And then it's a special brand. It's like, these are our Adam Driver carrots. <laughs> <laughs> this James Franco cauliflower is delicious. <laughs> 
Well, here are some expensive poops okay. that, that I have found besides the whale poop. Sometime in 1961, Italian artist Piero Manzoni set out to create, well, strange artwork. He was known for that. He was kind of avant-garde. He was, um, he was just into weird stuff. Got it. So he pooped in 90 cans, sealed them shut, and uh, sold them. He called them Murda d'Artista. Art poop. Artists shit. Yeah. The labels on the cans, listen to what it says. It says, artists shit, freshly preserved, produced and tinned in May 1961. And what he did was he established the price of the cans based on the same weight as gold. Okay. That's uh, pretty assumptive, but that's fine. Manzoni died in 1963, but his poop still sells like crazy today. Tate Art Gallery in London acquired one can recently. I think it was 2007 for $30,000. Yeah. The same year, a second can auctioned in Milan for 81,000 pounds or about $108,000 US. Now, this is not something that you open, right? It's just... It's just a can, and you just assume that what's in it is what's in it, and and you just... If you open it, it it will will lose its value. Kind of like matchbox cars. Or Star Wars figures. Another one sold for 182,500 pounds or $242,000 in 2016. I'm sorry, are the cans different, or do they all look the same? They're numbered, but they all look the same. Oh, okay. They were worth about $300,000 in 2017 uh, when the last one was was uh, publicly auctioned. And its value is expected to be worth millions in the near future. Wow. So interestingly, Agostino Bonalumi, who worked with Manzoni at the time that he canned his poop, mm-hmm. um, said the cans actually don't contain poop, that he just put plaster in the cans and not poop. Bonalumi added that uh, Manzoni only called them canned poop because he wanted to prove that art collectors would buy anything expensive labeled art, even if it was poop. I love it. This could be true when you consider that Manzoni was a bit of an eccentric and had a habit of creating unusual artwork. He once exhibited plain white sheets as as a work of art. Okay. A bowl of boiled eggs and a balloon. Uh-huh. So he was more of a performance artist. He was someone who wanted to explore art more than create art. Yes. Okay. He was pushing the boundary of what the definition of art was. He also sealed some papers in a, inside a box and called it a work of art. He said, though, that if the seal was broken, it was no longer to be considered art. He, so he's making the rules. I guess you get to if you're the artist. No, Bonalumi, the guy that worked with him dared people who bought these cans to open them to see if they really did contain poop yeah. or plaster. Nobody's doing it, of course, because of the reason that, that you mentioned. If if you open it, the value would plummet. However, there is a report that one can was opened in 1989. Its contents were wrapped. However, the opener of the can reportedly did not unwrap it. Now, why would you open the can and destroy the value of it? But not actually Look, investigate what's yeah. inside. That's insane. That's expensive poop. Now, in this case, the poop itself is not the value item. In this case, it's responsible for dramatically increasing the value of something else. The dung of elephants living in Thailand's Golden Triangle is used to make some of the world's most expensive coffee. Mm. The coffee's called Black Ivory. Have you heard about this? I have. 
It's made with fresh coffee beans that are picked from the dung of elephants. Now, I'm wondering, how can you call those beans fresh? I mean, they're in elephant poop. How fresh can it be? A pound of black ivory coffee sells for about 500 bucks. Wow. I was looking online. Occasionally, you can um, you can find it. Some some luxury hotels will sell cups of it, and the average cost is about fifty bucks a cup. Wow! For this coffee. Now, that's the thing. Is like I, you know, I love coffee, and I will right. partake in coffee of all sorts. And if there was a coffee that, let's say, someone had crafted and it was supposed to be like the best coffee and it was $50 for a cup, I'd try it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Not if it came from an elephant's butthole. I just, I don't have any interest that's in something that's already been through someone else. There's also a coffee out there that is made from beans inside of a, a, a cat poop. Like a wild feline type. It's coati, isn't it? Yeah. Is that what you're... That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. They actually have farms where they, they force feed them. I mean, it's, a, it's fucking wow. terrible. Wow. It's a terrible thing. And if the elephant poop is found, you know, wild and about, right. then that's fine. Uh, but the coatis, that's that's a vile trade. The manufacturer of Black Ivory Coffee says that the coffee has a distinct non-bitter taste because the beans have been processed by acids in the stomach. Ass. Acids. <laughs> In the stomach of the <laughs> elephant, uh, their taste has also been altered by whatever the elephants consume. Sure. Normally, the flavor of sugarcane and banana. There'll be hints of banana and sugarcane. The defect in this coffee is sugarcane. We just watched Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> and speaking of poop being in food, we also watched uh, The Help the other night. <laughs> We're catching up on a lot of movies. Yeah, we are. <laughs> There's also a beer that's made out of elephant poop. Oh. It's called Unkonokuro, and it was bottled by the Japanese-based Sankt Gallen Brewery, which marketed it as a, quote, chocolate stout, even though it doesn't have any chocolate in it. Yeah. The, the coffee beans is what gives it the uh, chocolatey flavor. It's very, very expensive, as you can imagine, because it costs them, uh, like, for 35 grams of elephant refined coffee beans, it's about 100 bucks. Wow. And the elephants produce just one kilogram of usable coffee beans for every 33 kilograms they consume. That is incredible and a, a terrible ratio. My uh, stepmother used to make uh, food for me to eat, you know, so I wouldn't starve to death. And um, <laughs> if she burned something, she would just call it chocolate, whatever it was. It was a chocolate grilled cheese. Yep. Yeah. Chocolate toast. She was not a great chef. Ooh. And finally, again, this is not the uh, the poop itself that has the value, but the poop increased the value of another item. Okay. In 2012, light blue underpants worn by Elvis Presley went on the auction block. Oh, no. One account simply mentioned that the underwear was, quote, stained around the crotch area, but a more explicit description states that it was stained with poop. Uh, Elvis wore the underwear under his jumpsuit during a 1977 show, it was one of the very last shows that he did before he died. Well, then that's very confusing. He as had an impacted I, colon. Yeah. As far as I know, nothing was coming out of him. Yeah, no. In fact, I read the autopsy report. It's horrifying. It, it really is. I, I can't remember exactly how many pounds of fecal matter they found inside of Elvis's colon, but it was described as white and clay-like. Probably wouldn't be good coffee either. If, no. you know, if you <laughs> Anyway, so it had poop stains on it. Um, <laughs> the auctioneers were hoping it would sell for about 
£10,000. The reserve uh, price was set at £7,000 for the auction, but the auction ended with the briefs unsold after several buyers offered to pay £5,000, but that was 2000 less than the reserve. So mm. I don't know what the ultimate fate of Elvis's uh, poop-stained blue underpants are. I would be interested if anybody can find out. It ain't nothing but a brown log. <laughs> Poop-stained ruse. <laughs> oh, like under ruse. Yeah. Okay. You can do anything but lay off of my poop stain. That works. Mm-hmm. I wish I could come up with something for jailhouse jock, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nothing rhymes with jailhouse. Was there any song that Elvis did where the words rhymed with skid mark? I can't think of any. You did good, though. I know what's going to happen. Good. As soon as we release this episode, we're going to get flooded with comments. I can't believe you didn't think of this one. Exactly. That's fine. It, it always happens. It's good to have listeners that are smarter than you. (laughs) Anyway, expensive poop. Indeed. And now, that thing in the middle. Well, here in the U.S., uh, Major League Baseball has been postponed because of uh, COVID-19. There's some question as to whether or not uh, the American Football Leagues, the NFL, will be holding a season or, or when they will start. At this point, they're planning on it, but it's still up in the air. And I think people are suffering from sports deprivation. (laughs) So you found something. Yeah, I thought this might be interesting. Here's some interesting American football facts. Number five, the New England Patriots were originally known as the Boston Patriots. And when they moved to Foxborough, they considered briefly changing their name to the Bay State Patriots. Bay State Patriots. Huh. Hmm. 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 Number four. If you signed up for the Green Bay Packers season ticket waiting list today, you'd have to wait almost a thousand years to get your tickets. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that they pass them down from generation to generation. Number three. Sports equipment manufacturer Wilson has been the exclusive maker of NFL footballs since 1941. They produce 4,000 balls per day. Or as For the Win says, one for every Eli Manning interception. For those of you listening overseas, an interception is not a good thing. Number two, the Super Bowl trophy costs about $25,000, which really when you consider the money that the NFL brings in, 25 grand is like, meh. And number one, the oldest record in the NFL record book is one of the most famous. Ernie Nevins scored 40 points in a 1929 game getting six touchdowns and four extra points. Whoa. Whoa. The Box of Oddities with Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. You know, as your kids get older, there are some things about parenting that gets easier. I remember once hearing my sister tell my little niece, if you put your pants on, I'll give you some Fresca. And when kids can start to reason that they get something, if they do something right, it's a lot easier to manage them. Having that conversation about money with your kids, that's not the easiest thing in the world. Fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money until they're actually in charge of it. And that's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made just for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on the kids' spending and savings. While kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Your kids will learn how to save, invest, and spend wisely thanks to the games that teach kids skills in a fun, accessible way. 
when I was a kid, I had expected chores and then I had bonus chores. And bonus chores were where I earned money. And so if you're thinking like, hey, my kids should be doing stuff around the house. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. But maybe there's extra ways that they can learn how to be a successful financial money person. What was one of the bonus chores that you had to do? (sighs) Rub my mom's feet. And what did that pay? I don't know, like a quarter or something. Millions of parents and kids are learning about money on Greenlight. It's the easy, convenient way for parents to raise financially smart kids and families to navigate their life together. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash oddities. That's greenlight.com slash oddities to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash oddities. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at ConstantPodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. of our listeners surveyed say they listen to podcasts. That's a lot. This is The Box of Oddities. On the Freaks group on Facebook, uh, a bunch of the freaks get together every Friday night for a Zoom meeting. I love it. They have a Freaks Zoom meeting. And one night you and I jumped on there, which was which was a lot of fun. That was fun. Got this message from Jim. First, thanks for joining us on the Zoom call the other night. It was great to chat for a few minutes. Secondly, I live in Salt Lake City and can see the Bingham Canyon mine that Kat mentioned recently when I'm out walking by my home. Now, that was one of the biggest holes in the world. Yeah. Since I use earbuds to listen to you guys, I forget that others can't hear the show at the time. And now I'm known as the weird guy in my neighborhood who stopped, pointed toward the mountains and shouted, I can see it, Kat. The hole is right there. (laughs) I love it. Thanks, guys. Love the show. Jim. Thanks, Jim. (laughs) We appreciate that. So what you got for me? Oh, we 
I want to talk about Queen Elizabeth. Okay. Elizabeth II. The second. Was born April 1926. She is the Queen of the United Kingdom and other Commonwealth realms. And I found some interesting little tidbits about her that led me into a real monarchy bunny hole. Okay. So. I love a good monarchy bunny hole. <laughs> Let's start here. Queen Elizabeth was only just a princess during wartime, and she opted to join the military unit of women who fulfilled duties as drivers, mechanics, or postal workers. So that makes her the only woman from the royal family who has ever taken part in military services. Wow. What did she do specifically? She was part of the... But did she sort mail or drive an ambulance, or uh, does it say specifically what she did? No. She was just part of this corps. Right. Wow. That's still amazing. I bet she sorted uh, letters. I would think she was a driver. Really? She seems a big fan of driving. We'll get to that. Okay. Um, she remains the single living head of state today who served in World War II. No kidding. So when her father died in 1952, she became the head of the Commonwealth and queen regent of several independent Commonwealth countries, the UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Pakistan, and Ceylon. Of course, she's reigned through many uh, political changes of uh, both, you know, the, the countries that she reigns over and changes in those countries uh, individually. And between 1956 and 1992, the number of her realms varied. Uh, territories gained independence and uh, South Africa, Pakistan and Ceylon, renamed uh, Sri Lanka, became the republics. So, OK. In 2017, Her Majesty had her Sapphire Jubilee, a reminder that she had sat on the throne as the Queen of England for a record-breaking 65 years. That is amazing, especially when you consider how long the history of the monarchy is. Yeah. Now, the Queen has two birthdays. Uh, she was born on April 21st, 1926. However, her official birthday is celebrated by the nation in June. That is the annual Trooping the Color Parade, uh, which has been a tradition since 1748. Oh, wow. So they celebrate the Queen's birthday, not on her birthday, but on the Queen's birthday. Interesting. <laughs> she has seen 13 UK prime ministers come into power. <laughs> The role of the monarchy has changed dramatically through the years. And so we're going to take a look at some of the privileges that the queen maintains. Oh, this is good. I've often wondered this. What kind of free shit does she get? <laughs> no, not exactly. I mean, yes, but no. But OK. The queen doesn't have to sing the national anthem. The national anthem wow. is God Save the Queen. It sure. is sung to her. It is dedicated to her. So she doesn't have to sing it. I never thought about that. That would. Yeah. God save me would seem a little pretentious. <laughs> right? Um, she also can opt out of paying taxes. Uh, she's not obligated in any way, but she did voluntarily begin paying her share in 1992. Oh, that's great. Yeah. If they did a biopic, a new biopic. A biopic? Yeah. <laughs> of Queen Elizabeth, Mary Berry would be my choice. Oh, my gosh. How perfect. She is the queen after all. She's the queen of fresh baked goods. The Queen is the only person in the UK who is allowed to drive without a license. She never had to take a driver's test. She doesn't have to have a number plate on her car. Really? Yeah, who's going to pull the Queen over? <laughs> <laughs> some, some uppity Bobby. 
The Queen has a car collection worth millions, including uh, Land Rover, Range Rovers, Bentleys, Jaguars, and she's always enjoyed driving. One story tells of how the now late Saudi Arabian king Abdullah was a guest of the queen at her residence in Scotland, and she was going to take him on a tour. He was told to get in the front passenger seat. She hopped in the driver's seat (laughs) and tootled him about to show him around. That is wonderful. Um, This was much to his surprise. She was 77 at the time, and it's probably the only time that a woman drove him because it wasn't until 2018 that Saudi Arabia lifted the ban on issuing driver's licenses to women. No kidding. So she just took it upon herself to change his whole world. Maybe she did that intentionally. It's very possible. Now, she's driving her, her Land Rover. Mm-hmm. Do you think that she was doing that queen wave with the wrist the whole time as she passed the loyal subjects? It's possible. I don't know. I'm just wondering. Okay. I'm thinking out loud here. Sure. In my mind, <laughs> picturing Queen Elizabeth driving a Land Rover. Now, last year... Um, Is it a Land Rover or a Range Rover? She has one of each. Oh, my God. Now, last year, at the age of 92, she did agree to stop driving on the advice of her security team. Um, She didn't have to turn her license in or anything because she doesn't have to have a license. Mm -hmm. But she agreed that she she was not going to be driving anymore. Um, Philip recently had given up driving as well after a a small bump in with another car. Can you imagine getting into a fender bender with Prince Philip? I mean, come on. I need your name and uh, insurance information, please. (laughs) Prince Philip Buckingham Palace. (laughs) Or how about this? How would you like to be the person that's tasked with going to the queen to tell her you can't drive anymore? Right. Well, I think um, she seemed to be a very reasonable participant in that discussion Uh um, because her husband had just gotten into an accident. And I think, you know, at 92. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if, if, if she still like gets her yayas out for driving by maybe going out and doing donuts in the, uh, in the parking (laughs) lot outside of Buckingham palace. (laughs) I would pay money to see that. Uh, According to the times, it was likely to have been a reluctant decision for her because she has such a long history of enjoying driving. Mm. The queen does not have a passport. All other members of the royal family, uh, including Prince Philip, have passports. But as the British passport is issued in the name of Her Majesty, Mm -hmm. she doesn't need one. She's Her Majesty. She's the one who who approves the passports to begin with. So, okay. Or at least in title. She has traveled all over the world and has never had a passport. Again, who's going to stop her at customs? Right. At the airport. Uh, we're going to have to take a look at that bag. Um, oh, and by the way, you're in the TSA line. You're, you, I don't see that here anywhere. Uh, you don't have a TSA number. And if she were stopped for something, the queen is immune from prosecution. Of course she is. And she is immune from the Freedom of Information Act. Really? Indeed. Wow. The queen owns all the swans in the River Thames. <laughs> All 5,300 breeding pairs of swans in Britain are officially owned by the queen. So what if you brought a swan in? Does it automatically become the property of the queen? I I would think so. Hmm. Um, How could you tell, really? I, I'm not yeah. sure. They're not um, monogrammed. I will say, though, that there is a swan warden. That sounds like a perfect job for you. I know! 
Their job is to look over all the swans, make sure that they're all doing okay. Cat walls, sworn, swan warden. That's swan not, warden. Swor, sworn warden. That's hard to say. I want a band, like a, one of these things. Sash. A sash. Yeah. This says swan warden on it. Oh, I know what I'm getting you for your birthday. <laughs> a swan warden sash, <laughs> which is also not easy to say. But it, uh, it does not end there. The queen also has ownership of all the fishes royal. <laughs> Under the law of the United Kingdom, whales and sturgeons are royal fish and, when taken, become the personal property of the monarch of the UK as part or of his or her royal prerogative. Do you just drop them off at Buckingham Palace? Pretty much. Uh, According to William Blackstone's Commentaries on the Laws of England, the superior excellence of whale and sturgeon made them uniquely suited for the monarch's use. That's messed up. Somewhat recently, Sir Matthew Hale added porpoise as one of the royal fish. All the dolphins belong to the queen as well. That seems right. Now, there are some exceptions, and there have been some controversies. So there is a recorded dispute between the Crown and Christopher St. Lawrence II, Baron Howth, in about 1400 over the ownership of an exceptionally large grampus. What is a grampus? It's also known as a Riso's dolphin. Okay. The dolphin had become stranded on Howth Peninsula in Dublin Bay, and the crown claimed it as a royal fish, (laughs) while Lord Howth claimed it uh, to be his because of the immemorial right of his family to take possession of every grampus and porpoise found on that particular peninsula. So what... Brought this particular Grampus to their attention. I'm not sure, uh, but there was there was quite a, a controversy over that. Did a war break out? The Grampus Wars? The Grampus Wars. <laughs> of 1400? Now, as I said, there are also exceptions. So like um, the people who make high-end caviar, they have the exception that they can use the sturgeons mm. for the caviar. And, you know, there there are some exceptions to the rule okay. that have kind of long been understood that, okay, well, the queen eats her caviar, so you can go ahead and have this. (laughs) Now, as I mentioned, the queen has been an avid traveler, and it's said that she always tried to be measured in her souvenir taking. Now, there was a time when she got an elephant, um, but uh, for the most part, she would try to find very specific things to the places that she was traveling. So when she'd go to, like, Hawaii, she'd want to bring back, you know, a lay. Like what we do with refrigerators. Refrigerator magnets. Exactly. And so uh, some countries have given gifts in that same in that same spirit. So uh, the United States not long ago sent her a pair of cowboy boots. Mm-hmm. Can't you see her clomping around the halls of Buckingham Palace? Interestingly, she's never been spotted wearing them. Uh-huh. I'll bet. So what we've learned, I think, and this is this is true. If she wanted, Queen Elizabeth could carry a dead porpoise through an airport and no one can do anything about it. Pretty much. Wow. Yeah, in cowboy boots. The power of the monarchy. (laughs) That's fascinating. I love it. And we love you guys. We're looking forward to getting back out on the road once things settle down. We had mentioned this once before. We are looking at some specific areas. We'll let you know as things develop. Still kind of up in the air right now. But in the meantime, we had an idea about doing a live show 
in our living room. So we hope that you'll join us for that. I don't know exactly the logistics of it. No, we haven't figured it all out yet. But we had a couple of live shows that we couldn't use the audio from. So um, let's let's maybe find a way to repurpose those fun stories uh, for you and for me. We're we're working out the technical logistics. The Um, kinks. Yeah. Again, if you'd like to help support the podcast and help us uh, grow it, we uh, we would appreciate you doing so by going to our website, theboxofoddities.com. You can click on the link that says support the show and you become a member of our premium group, the Circle of Freaks. We've got a bonus episode dropping for you very soon. That's for the Circle of Freaks. And uh, so now would be a good time to get on in. You also get the uh, the episodes ad-free. You get them a day early. You do get that bonus episode once a month, and you get access to us through the back channel. Again, theboxofoddities.com. That's also where you can get links to our merch and all that business. Everything you need is right there. All right, that's it. We will see you next time. Until then, keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you. To provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, That is, two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected. We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. TheBoxOfOddities.com Copyright 2020 All Rights Reserved Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Ken. And we are from the Triviality Podcast, a pub trivia-style game show where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Join us each week for an hour-long game of general knowledge trivia featuring special guests from around the world, plus tons of extra themed episodes. If you want to improve your trivia game, or you just want to scream at us in your car when we get easy questions wrong, then we're the show for you. Find Triviality on all your favorite podcast apps. But you know that, because you're already listening to a podcast.